may not be that smart and they may not be that pretty But they like to talk about Cardiff City It's the view from the ninny and with views from the ninny And not shoes from the ninny and the view from the ninny and... Ding dong, Mick is dead or sacked after eight losses in a row. Um, the news that has been coming for weeks and weeks and weeks was finally confirmed with a short statement on Saturday afternoon. And we're back on The View from the Ninian to talk about the same things we've been talking about for the last few weeks because nothing changes except Mick has now been sacked. Ben Price joins me once again. Ben, happy with the news? Yeah, it's just glad to finally happen, isn't it? It's just mm. one of those just happy to get out of the way and can move on now. Are, you nervous, about, really. are you nervous about having to find other things to talk about? No, it's Cardiff, let's be honest. Dalman's given us plenty of content for the next six weeks. Fair play to the bloke. Yeah, he's turned it into even more of a basket case. And Tom Phillips is also here after his appearance on the second tier pod. Tom, how was that for you? Fantastic, thank you very much. Just good to be on an organised pod every now and again. Are you saying this pod isn't organised? I don't read why you well into that. <laughs> I, I wrote the agenda this afternoon. Like we've got a really jam-packed agenda because there's so much going on there. Um, before we get into the stuff that's happening off the field, of which there is a lot going on off the field, uh, if you go by Mehmet Dalman's comments, we have to talk about some of the football. Uh, two games since we last had a podcast. Fulham away, Borough at home. Um, ben, I've written down here, basically, Fulham game better, Borough game worse. I think that is the perfect summary, isn't it? Thank Just you. Thank first you. first, first half of, of Fulham was all right. It wasn't like nothing special, but compared to the dross we've been served up the last few weeks, um, it wasn't that bad. Um, second half was pretty grim, but um, I'm guessing you boys had a lovely time. I, I had really, it was good. It was nice to be in Craven Cottage. Um, pros, we hit the bar in the first half from a Kiefer Moore volley. Um, pros, Craven Cottage is a nice ground to go to. Cons, it was fucking shitting it down. And we got soaked on the walk to the pub after the game, didn't we, Tom? Absolutely drenched. That is the wackest I've got in a long, long time. Miserable. I was trying to make a joke there, but I, I think you're a man. Yeah, I could yeah. see your eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I, I knew them, what was going on. Cogs turning. Um, mm. Tom, do you agree with Ben's assessment that the first half was pretty good at Fulham? Yeah, I thought that at the time. And I said, you know, that was a lot better. I left the ground feeling, you know, it's been yeah, a lot worse is. than that. <laughs> and then thinking back, we could have conceded three goals in about the first 15 minutes. Like, they had a lot of chances. We just didn't look quite as disorganised as we have in other games. But that, I think that the bar is so low now. Like, going into half-time, I was like, oh, yeah, we're doing okay here. We might get something. And then that very quickly changed in the second half. And it was, yeah, normal service resumed, really. I, I just want to clear my comments. Sorry, I want to clear my comments. I didn't say it was good. I just said it was better. Yes, better. Well, no, that's, that's what we said during the first half. I think, you know, Tom was trying to... GSF and say actually this is quite a good performance I was like it's just good in the context of the last six games before <laughs> yes. Fulham as in those six games have been so bad that half a, half a, half, a, half an effort in that first half was enough for us to go actually yeah this team's going to turn it around Yeah, hitting, but- the bar, hitting the bar at Craven Cottage is because the season's been so bad now in the top 10 moments of the season Yeah, it was definitely. a great shot by Kiefer it was mad though because I went like half time I was like yeah, this is all right. Like ultra positive, which I can be in games every now and again, to 15 minutes later, sat down, refusing to stand up in an absolute strop. You were in a proper I, strop. I, I don't know what hit me, just a wave of just misery. And like you took a photo of the ground and I'm just there, sat down, everyone else is having a great time. I've kicked a seat and sat down in one of the biggest strops I've had in a long time. I'm just checking the stats. Uh, Fulham, Fulham had 20 chances created, uh, which they and their expected goals were 1.98. So they, you know, they, you know, they achieved their expected goals ratio. Um, I think there was a, you know, I, I, I think the Fulham game there was some some positives to take from that. Was it um, the late substitutions where Evans came on and he looked really good when he got got on the pitch? Really um, and I think you know, kind of want to see more from him. I think Kiefer Moore looked more like himself in the first half, uh, was winning headers, trying to get onto balls. But then I think the uh, the enormity of the task at uh, hand got to him in the second half, which is he has to win the header, get onto the flick on and try and score from his own flick ons. Um, and I think he, he calmed down in the second half. Um, I think he just went, oh, what's the fucking point? Yeah, you could kind of see him. And I think the players at the end, they all came over and you could kind of, you could see how defeated they were. Obviously, I think, you know, Flint looked completely 
distraught. You know, the players' folks would look really unhappy. Um, threw their threw their really wet kits into the crowd and 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 then walked away on their on their way. The, the interesting thing I thought about the end of the game was that Mick McCarthy was was very quick to tell the players to come over and clap us, um, which I thought was highly ironic considering his stance on clapping the, uh, the fans, which he did, he did, but from the the safety net of maybe ten or eleven Cardiff City players in front of him, because um, the man is a coward. Um, ben. Moving on to Middlesbrough. Um, how shit was Middlesbrough? It was grim, wasn't it? It was yeah. proper, proper grim, that game. Borough weren't exactly fantastic and sort of Warnock, we got Warnocked again, just got it absolutely spot on, did what was needed to do and then buggered off and we just made it so easy for him to do what Warnock wants us to do. He knew exactly what was gonna, how this game was going to play out and yeah, it was just fucking horrible to watch. I think we it was four shots in the first 10 minutes where they could have been one or two nil up. Um, every time they came forward, they managed to exploit the gaps between midfield and defence. Um, Tom, we talked about it yesterday. I've heard you mention it on the second tier pod. Um, we made them look like Barcelona under Guardiola, didn't we? Oh, it was unbelievable. They, they were creating chances left, right and centre. We, we just had no one in midfield at all at any time. It was just ridiculous. They were just ghosting the, the pitch. And, like, they're not known for playing expansive football. They're a decent side, there's no doubt. They're a decent squad, and they'll be there or thereabouts around the playoffs. But they should not be finding it so easy away from home. Such a long trip. You know, like an early kickoff on a Saturday coming down. And, you know, come at Cardiff used to be a tough place to go. And, honestly, we, we weren't... We had a 10-minute purple patch in the second half. We, we hit the bar, didn't like, we? Yeah, where we looked like we've played football before. But outside of that, it was absolute dross. I think it's. I think it is one of the worst games I've seen in years for Cardiff, because we just we were just never at it. There was, you know, that no one wants to be there anymore. But how could you can't blame anyone? It was an absolute no. shambles. If Burn uh, sorted out their final ball, it would have been a cricket score. Oh yeah, because the amount of chances where their final pass or they felt like the front three's decision making let them down was mental because they could have just absolutely stuffed us. It was prime Warnock ball. Their expected goals are 2.92. They, they created 16 chances from 21 total shots, which is obviously quite a high number for Warnock. But the, the, the deeper you go into it, they only had 145 accurate passes, but 116 of those were in our half. That shows you how quickly they were getting it forward and just making us pay for it. Because I think they were they, they would they would take one pass and it'd be already so high up the pitch that the next pass is into our half. And they were the gap between our midfield and defense was so vast. I don't know who was meant to be playing there, but there was no one there. Yeah, and they put the graphic up on the TV at like half time about the average positions. And like I think all but one or two of their play. I think what they're, the they're two in their half, or we yeah. had all hours in our half. Yeah. yeah. It was only the keeper and one defender who average position was behind the halfway line. And away he was and he was in the centre circle just behind the halfway line. Yeah, away from home with Warnock as your manager, that is not what is expected. It's just I we just didn't turn up at all. I thought, you know, I saw the starting lineup and I thought he's trying something different here. Fair play. He's going out in a blaze of glory. Was he balls? It was it was absolutely ridiculous. Going out in a blaze of apathy is probably yeah. the right term. <laughs> To be even that pissed me off though. Like he knew he had to have known that was his last game. Why not just go balls to wall and do seven centre backs just to properly take the piss? To be fair, I'd have respected him for that. To be honest, just if he had just one last <laughs> fuck you of just all right, you thought that was bad. What you said, waving to the fans at the end of the game, just giving us the wanker side. Ah! Yeah, fuck off. <laughs> Dickheads, you thought I was going to win a game? Wankers. Stacked in the morning, just waving to the crowd. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and you're paying my you're paying my payoff. Yeah, 20, 20, pound, 20 pound bills just going like that, just like that all over the pitch. I just realised it's a podcast and I've done visual aids. But yeah, you know what I meant. But he actually looked like he cared in that game, though. He was actually shouting on the sideline. He was actually trying to tell people where to go. He was actually trying to manage the team for once. Because his bosses were there. It's just chewing down with there. It's like, you know, when you're, doing, when you're at work on a Friday afternoon <laughs> and you're just, doing, you're just browsing stuff and then you see someone important walk by. You yeah, quickly, open up a spreadsheet. Quickly, that spreadsheet pops up, doesn't it? <laughs> Who was that Newcastle player for France that would um whenever was like warming up and whenever the camera would cut to him, he'd suddenly act a lot faster than what he's doing. Was it Ben Arthur? It might have been Ben Arthur actually. Yeah. Well, we, it's it's like it's the Tyrone Mings effect, isn't it? Tyrone Mings, whenever he's on TV, shouts and screams a lot, uh, but doesn't really make any yeah. sense. He just points at people and goes Wah! because he wants to be seen to be looking busy. Um, 
It was, it was, I think it's quite funny when you hear Mick in the press conferences going, you know, I can't try any harder to win these games. And I think he said something after the game yesterday. Um, was that after the game yesterday? Yeah, I think he spoke to Sky yesterday and in his post match interview, he said something like, if anyone thinks that I'm sending players out there to be that static and that benign, well, they want their head seen to it. It's kind of like, well, Mick, there's been eight games of this. Um, yeah, like if you're not, if you're not, if you're not doing that, then what are you doing? Because this isn't one or two games. This is eight games where they've been utterly dog shit. And it's not even just those eight games, isn't it? Because we've been poor in those other games before that. Obviously, we were quite poor at Peterborough away until we we scored quite late on. Um, we were poor in the first half at Nottingham Forest. There's probably only been two or three good performances this year out of twelve. Is it 13, 14 games now? If what's mad is it like earlier in the season. We, you know, it's funny when Aidan Flint is your top scorer after a few games. It's not funny when it's November. Yeah. And, you know, he's got four goals as a top scorer when you've still got Kiefer Moore in the squad. You know, it, it's so worrying. And, like, I know Mick was clearly useless and didn't want to be there, but a lot of our players have got to put, put their hands up as well because there's, I don't think there's any player in our squad at the moment who's covering themselves in glory. Not, not one. There's normally a couple of performances where you go, oh, you know, he's been unlucky there. I can't think, I really can't think of anyone who's put their hand up in the last few weeks. I really can't. So, McGuinness so, is 50% yeah. there. But the rest of them, I totally agree. Yeah. You sort of see players like Perry and G got a chance and like deservedly got ripped off at a hard time. He was shite. Just no I mean, effort I, there, no determination. He looks a completely different player to the one that came in in January that we felt was on his way to becoming a club icon already. Mm. I think I think I think McGuinness is right. I think he's done all right in the last few games, but obviously wasn't brilliant yet at the weekend. But also, I think some of the younger players deserve some credit. I think Ruben Colwell at times yesterday was looking for the ball and trying to make stuff happen as much as he could. Um, bearing in mind we barely had the ball, uh, we barely did anything with the ball. I think you know, we talked about Evans coming on the be- against Fulham uh, and playing really well. I think Sam Bowen's looked quite good at times. Um, I think we have to take that as a positive, really, because at the end of this season, we'll get onto Dalman's comments. We're not going to have any players but the youth players, are we? No, that's true. But I think with Colwell as well, there's certain times where, like you said, he is really trying something. He gets himself into good positions, but he is raw. Yeah. You know, at the moment, you like, like some, he makes some really silly mistakes at times. And that, you know, I think that will improve. But, that, but it's going to happen. He's going to make mistakes when he becomes your main focal point in a team, despite only playing about 10 games. Yeah. And that's the worrying thing. We haven't got any senior players at the moment who are, who are stepping up to guide him in games. It's, it's, that's the worrying thing. We, like we were saying before, we could waste these talents because it's not the best way to blood youngsters in, is it? Like, it's great to see people making a debut again on the weekend. But what a shit circumstance to make your debut for Cardiff. You know, it's awful. What's that going to do to a player's confidence? I felt like I felt it was a bit. Uh, I don't know. If, I don't know what Mick's even doing in that situation. With twelve minutes to go, and he's thrown on Eli King for his debut, and it's kind of like we're two 0 down. The crowd are baying for blood, and you're sending well baying for blood the four people who were there were baying for something um and you send on like a youngster and and go on you go so and have 10 minutes like it's obviously great for the player but that can't be a nice thing to go into can it then no how yeah it's, it's a moment they're going to look back on it's a moment they're going to tell their grandkids and how was it oh we were getting battered by middlesbrough and I came on to the ch- chance of Mick McCarthy is a wanker is a wanker <laughs> yeah yeah uh, that is that is miserable, isn't it? Um, I wrote down here, Ben. Any positives from Borough? Um, and the only thing I could think of is we made Borough look good. Um, was there any positives from your side? Um, nice to see a manager do the Ayatollah when asked. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I think um, doing the, the fist pump was a bit shit though. But you know, <laughs> not it, it kind of it kind of made that made me feel a bit weird, right? Because they're meant to be mates. Like they they talk as if they're really good friends. And Warnock's going on doing the Ayatollah and winding the crowd up. Yeah, I, I I'm all for it to be honest. Well, let's let's talk about obviously Mick's gone. Um, I've written here it was about time, Tom. Do you feel any sympathy for him? I was saying this yesterday, I think it was to you, like, I still feel sorry for someone losing their job because it is just a bloke who's losing his job. But at the same time, for, for someone who I, I've never really called for a manager's head before, this is the most angry I've been about a manager in charge of my club. Like, if someone who looked like he didn't care, looked like he was completely out of his depth, which is ridiculous for someone who's so experienced in managing, you know, he's managed international sides, plenty of club sides, like, at, you know, at a higher level than this and, you know, at, in mm. tougher situations as well. You know, what he did at Ipswich, 
you know, I think some people say it was a bad job, but he had a shoestring budget and, you know, he comfortably kept them up for years. So to see how bad it was, you know, it started so well with effective football, never never good football, but effective football. We thought, oh, we're on to something here. It's kind of like that Warner kind of effect, right? And then mm-hmm. it's been downhill ever since. And yeah, do I feel sorrow? No, not really. And that's what surprises me. I, I didn't think I'd ever feel this way about a manager, you know, just just so annoyed by the whole situation the last month or so. So annoyed by the whole situation. Ben, do you feel any sympathy for him? No, it's the first manager that's left the club that for a long time, probably definitely the Cardiff City Stadium era that I've strongly disliked and couldn't wait to see the back of. I had empathy for Solskjaer. I see, I thought he seemed like a decent bloke, just a shite manager. Trollope was just, again, great coach, but didn't just didn't work out. Slade, nice but boring. Um, even Neil Harris seemed like a lovely bloke and gave it a go, but fucking, I'm glad to see the back of him. When we all came in, we thought, you know, oh, at least it'll be funny. At least we'll get those light-hearted moments. We'll get some bit of character there and we'll get that bit of Mick McCarthy and you'll feel a bit like when Warnock was there. We got none of that. We got a miserable old twat that couldn't wait to leave and couldn't wait to get his payoff. I'm fucking glad he's gone. <laughs> I honestly think it's it's the most it's the most United I've ever seen a fan base ahead, uh, you know, against the manager. I think I said it previously. Like, even when Solskjaer was on his way out, there were people who had sympathy for him. People who were just like, he's in a basket case of the club. Slade had it difficult, you know. Going back to um, even Dave Jones, there were probably people who wanted him to stay um, in, in all this time. Yeah, I would. I would have kept Dave Jones, but I think it was right that he moved on as well. I think um, Mick McCarthy has just turned. He was. He, I've never seen someone turn the fan base so successfully against him so quickly. I think he's been in charge for. I think I'm just looking at it now. 38 games in total. Um, he's been here since January. So in in nine months, he's turned the whole fan base against him. And in reality, it's probably only in the last eight games as he really turned the, the, the galvanized the fan base against him because we weren't in the fucking stadium for the first part of this reign. It's quite so impressive give him when you like that. It's really impressive. Um, his, his, his record is um, 114, drawn 11, lost 13 uh, in 38 matches. Uh, in that time, the average goals for 1.34. The average goals against 1.34. So his reign is almost fucking neutral. But that's what's mad, right? What did you say? 13 games he lost in his whole tenure. 114, lost 13, drew 11. So he lost 13 in 38 games and eight of them are coming a row now. Yeah. How has it gone so badly wrong? This is what I don't get. How many, like, how many of them have come... Well, only all but two of them came since he signed that permanent contract. Yeah. 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 It's absolute madness, isn't it? Like how it went so sour so quickly. And, I, and like we've said it before, it... He could have easily, he could have made it a lot easier for himself by looking like he gave a fuck about something. And, you know, it, yeah, everyone's going to be glad to see the back of him. I think he'll be glad to see the back of Cardiff and we'll be glad to see the back of him. So at least we're united on that front as well. It really fucking off is just, we all knew it was going to end like this. We all knew it apart from the people in charge. And then I know we're going to come to them in a bit, but for fuck's sake, we just, ah, oh, it's just, it's infuriating. You just know. From, from the day he was appointed and they said, oh, it's a short-term thing, we, we all were joking, oh, he's going to go on a great run, get appointed, and he'll be gone within 12 months. We all knew it was going to happen, and that's exactly how it's played out. Well, which one of us was happy that we signed him on that two-year contract, Tom? Yeah, that was me, yeah, because I am normally the Mr. Muck. Optimistic. He's, he's absolutely killed my optimism. <laughs> he's, like, changed me as a human. It's quite impressive, actually. Mick McCarthy's broken Tom Phillips. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, that's quite depressing, really. Um, Let's let's look at some of the positives. Um, Let's try and give him some kind of credit uh, for that initial run he put together. Um, Tom, it made us dream. We we almost got into the playoffs. Uh, We beat Swansea 1-0 with that Aidan Flint goal. Um, uh, Is Ben Price almost (laughs) spitting out water with laughter because um, we're trying to make something positive here? It was good at the start, wasn't it, Tom? Yeah, definitely. You know, we went on a mad winning run. It was great. We were enjoying it. We were shit in games, and that's what we liked the most. Like we, most of the time, we're not calling for fantastic football. Like you're saying, it's just effective. It's calling football. for effective football. Yeah, and we were pressing teams. We were making it exciting. We were putting a foot in. It was niggly, and we were enjoying it. And even that side of it went towards the end. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't niggly. It was, it was just shit. Like yeah. we just there was no effort there anymore. So like, yeah, I I really did enjoy it. And to be honest. I was enjoying the beginning of this season as well, where we decided that we were only going to score with headers. 
Yeah, you know, and that was funny, lot, wasn't it? Yeah, and that's a lot better than deciding we're not going to score at all. So, you know, there's, there's been positives at times. And, you know, headers, we even ended, headers or no goals. And we even ended on a positive in a weird way because we saw Saul Bamba get a man of the match performance and, you know, and got the ovation that he should have had at the Cardiff City Stadium that he, was, that, that he deserved. So at least he did that, I suppose. God, that's but, quite um that's quite a vindication of um of everything that McCarthy did, isn't it? That the player you released, um, you know, the club favourite that you released then got a man of the match performance against you in your last game before you got sacked. And what says it all as well, if you look at the, the, the when Cardiff released a statement about him leaving, you had the likes of Junior Hoylet and Joe Bennett liking it. Joe Bennett liking it. Yeah. And you know, you know, that he's pissed off some real club stalwarts they're doing. They were fans' favourites, they were the players who were there for the longest. So he's not only rubbed the fans up the wrong way, he's rubbed up ex-players the wrong way. And it'd be interesting to see what comes in the next couple of months now, if any comments come from the current playing squad. Because I'm sure some will. Because it's Are they so going to? It's, it's not a ha- you can You can just tell that it's, that's not a happy dressing room there right now. Those well, Mar- players Marlon, are not players that satisfied us all. Marlon Pack's the only player I've seen so far who's who's written anything. And he wrote on, um, he posted on Instagram, these run of games have been a difficult period for us all and as players. We have to stand up and be counted. You as fans deserve more. Thank you for your continued support. Let's stick together and get our season back on track. Um, it's kind of like reading through the, the lines there, Ben. Um, no mention, you know, no thanks to Mick, whatever. Just we need to do better. We need to get the season back on track. Um, the players just don't look happy, do they, as a unit? No, and you can't blame them. That they're they they're all footballers at the end of the day. They want to enjoy what they do, and I can't see any player involved in that squad in that system the way we've been playing the last six months. And honestly, think that they must be absolutely loving life. They must be enjoying every game they play because there's no expression in the players. Like players at best, when they sort of got a bit of freedom about themselves, they look very. I would say they're well drilled, but they weren't. Look at look how it ended up. They were drilled. They were just told to be effective and just no enjoyment in the game. Just sucked all the life out of them. They look terrified, really, don't they? They, you know, the, the football we're playing isn't good. So they look. I think probably this is part of the reason why. Whenever there's a ball into them, they try and boot it away as quickly as they can because they they don't want to try. They don't want to make mistakes because they know the crowd are going to be on their back instantly. Um, I mean, we can go through the favourites to replace him, but let's talk about Steve Morrison first. So Steve Morrison's come in as caretaker, Tom, uh, with the previous owner of Goody Who, as I understand it. Tom, was, I, I don't know how to say his second name. Do you know how to say it? Ramaset. Ramaset. Um, I haven't had, didn't have it open in front of me. Um, it's very easy, actually. Ramaset. It's, it's, it's spelt as it said, Tom. Uh, that's my mistake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, kind of excited to see what Morrison could do as caretaker. Yeah. Well, he's done well with the... And the only good thing about our club at the moment was... The youth team, but the problem mm-hmm. is, oh, that might go to shit because he's had to take over the first team. But you know, you know, he's got a clear way of playing football. You know, it'd be interesting to see if he's able to, you know, apply that to the, to the first team now, and and how many youngsters he'll blood and bring through as well, because he's going to know them better than anyone in that club yeah. at the moment. And you know, and it's good to see someone like Tom Ramsey involved as well. You know, he's been around the Welsh football world for a while. You know, playing for. My local town, Carmarthen Town. So I already got a bit of an affiliation to him. He's a Welsh speaker as well, which we haven't had at the helm. I think I saw from that uh, from football account that we haven't had mm-hmm. a Welsh speaking manager in charge since the fifties. So that's another positive. Um, also um, of Thai descent, which I'm just re- learning now. Yeah. So no, a lot of firsts there. But no, yeah. like it's it's good. To, First be- former owner of Goody Who. Um, the, the Goody Who to football pipeline is well and truly in order now. Yeah. So we know he likes a kind of red stripe. Loves yeah. a kind of red stripe, four for a tenner, thank you. But, you know, it's good to have some fresh people in and, you know, you know the fans will get behind them early on and if they learn how to clap and do the Ayatollah, we might stay behind them for a lot longer as well. <laughs> They're already stuff. in our good books instead of that. Um, ben, do you have more confidence in Steve Morrison because of his incredible hairline? I know I do. I mean, yeah, as someone whose hairline is slowly starting to fade away, I look at that with envy. Um, yeah, it's silver. It's properly grey, but fuck me, it's all there and it ain't going anywhere. And I think when uh, you like compare it to McCarthy's hairline, yeah, exactly. It, it makes you makes you a bit more confident, doesn't it? McCarthy's was already out the door. Steve Morrison's is staying foot, staying firm, and just makes you instantly respect him. Um, what are your views on uh, Morrison, Ben? Do you, you know, he's got three games um, up until the international break. Are you excited to see what he can do? Yeah, because look, he's got a free hit, hasn't he? 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think the comments from every junkie's favourite. <laughs> the comments from the the board sort of made it clear that the chance of him getting the job full time are very slim. But for now, let's get these youngsters. He knows exactly what makes these young lads tick, how to get the best out of them, what system will suit them well, and let's get a bit of confidence in them and sort of get the whole club back on the right footing. The one thing we've sort of asked for and sort of no one's really ever understood is why we play a certain style of football until we get to the first team. Now we've got someone there that's sort of linking the two together and can at least put a sort of start bridging the gap a bit. So, yeah, look, it's three games, but it's a, it could be a really, really important three games for the club, not just this season, but long term. It could finally sort of see the link between the youth setup and the first team. So the three games he's got in charge, um, before we get on to talking about possible replacements, Stoke away, QPR and Huddersfield at home. Ben, three games for Steve Morrison. How many wins? Oh, sorry, Morrison and Ramasset. Three games. How many wins again? I'd be happy with one. Happy with one. Tom? I'd like to, I'd like to see a score. Does it start, start small? You know, then so, okay, so big. you just want to see a goal. Yeah. Ben just wants to see a win. I'll be happy with the draw at some point. So There we go. Yeah, lovely. Um, well, that's how this simple is what we McCarthy's are. done to us, boys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, now let's talk about possible replacements. Um, I've got the Sky Bet odds open here. Other betting people are available, um, but also don't bet because betting's bad for you. Um, the current odds are Chris Wilder's favourite at six to four. Surprise number two here: Jody Morris five to one, um, Michael Flynn eleven to two, Neil Harris eight to one, and then you've got Hutton, Appleton, and Steve Morrison on twelves, Pardew and Hudson on sixteen, Gareth Ainsworth on eighteen. Neil Bellamy, Carl Robertson, Tony Pulis on 20s. And then further down, you've got people like John Terry, Mark Bowman, Eddie Newton, Ian Holloway, and Robert Earnshaw. Um, oh. Ben, who's your early favourite? Um, I feel like there's a, there is a, a clear fan favourite at the moment, but I want to hear who you want. I don't really know. I think that's part of the struggle with me is there's no one that sort of jumps off the page. Why and says, I fucking oh, ask you then? I'd Sorry, fucking love to have him in the club. But um, we all know that the fan's dream is Bellamy. But I don't think now is certainly not the right time for it to happen. Um, I'd be very happy with Wilder. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, go on, I'll go with Wilder as my preferred option for now. He's gone with Wilder. Tom, you can't go um, with Wilder now because he said it. So you have to pick someone else. But I've already recorded another podcast saying Wilder. Mm. Just... Go and tell uh, him anyway, to delete the recording. I, okay. yeah, no, I, will, I, will. I will. No, um, I would, yeah, I'd say Wilder, but then when you've had the re- revelation that we're not going to have any money to spend in not only the next transfer window, but the one after, is he wanna, Is he going to want to come in after the jobs he's done at other teams? Like, you know, we, we said he was in the running for the Forest um, job, didn't end up going there. He's not going to come here instead if, he's gonna, if he knows he's got no backing. You know, why would he do it? Why would he tarnish his reputation? Just get some punditry in for a little bit and wait for a better job. Because I think he would be my choice, but it's not going to happen. I think that's why Jody Morris's name is popping up now, because, you know, he's looking for a first-team job. You know, he, he won't be as expensive. It sounds like it'd be more of a likely replacement, to be honest. And, you know, like you said, Bellamy, I love the idea of him being in charge. He's just had a difficult period, you know, being out in Belgium, you know, coming back after not seeing his family for a long time. Is he, is he going to want to be involved in this? I, I doubt it at this moment. It's just the wrong timing for him. So... I think that's the worrying thing. I, I was excited when McCarthy got sacked and then that turned to dread straight away because I really don't know what the answer is going to be because anyone that we actually want to be in charge, if they have any inch of self-respect, probably won't take the job. I do think the telling thing is um, Wilder's at the same odds as sort of McCarthy was pretty early on. Mm. It's a strong sort of front runner. It's not a case of sort of the bookies are very split on who it could be. Wilder is sort of, he's odds up, well, he's one-to-one, isn't he, at the moment with uh, Skybet, and you can just... He was at Fulham, wasn't he? I think that's the big thing, is that why would he have been at Craven Cottage to watch that game if he wasn't yeah, going to be in the running? He'd been knocking around a few, he'd been at Charlton the same day and a few other places, so I'm not, I'm kind of not reading into that too much. Um, um, what I would say what I would say about reading into the odds is again is also that from last time when I put a bet on Neil Harris, my one bet moved the odds instantly in the, the shortening direction. So there's it's not a big market, which yeah. means that the odds are being quite easily kind of um uh, impacted by whatever money's going on there. Um I keep saying it we, we you know we'll get to Dalman's comments but talking about the money situation, clubs that are going to be struggling and we need a manager who's used to that situation. I think Ryan Lowe's the perfect the perfect choice. He did it at Berry when Berry were a complete basket case. He 
took them up from League Two to League One. He's gone in at Plymouth, took them straight out of League Two into League One. He's leading League One at the moment with Plymouth. And I know that's probably not a massive step up for him at the moment, but um, he's the kind of manager who would get us going, gets the fans, but also he's used to operating in those difficult circumstances and getting results. And I think he's shown now that he's done it League Two and League One. So why not? Why can't he make the step up? He's twenty-five to one. I think he's my he's my bet. But, I don't. I don't trust the board to have that now and go for that appointment. No, of course, of course. Because uh, it's an ideal world, isn't it? It's a. It's a. It's a people that run the club didn't realize the football inside of a football club would take that much time. Yeah, and why would he leave Plymouth while he's at top of the league to come to a team that floated in a relegation in the division above? You know, he could become a hero, at Plymouth, if he brings him up to the championship. And it's just a big, big risk for him to do that at the moment. I, I, he'd be mad to leave there. He would be mad to leave then. He'd be mad to leave there to come to a club like ours after Mehmet Darwin's comments on Saturday. Um, I That was very professional of me, by the way, wasn't it? Um, okay, yeah. That segue was incredible. Um, less professional for me to acknowledge that the segue was incredible, but we move. Um, there was a, a, a short notice meeting held with fan groups on Saturday morning at 11am. We didn't get an invite, um, which is a shame. Uh, but we're not a fan group. We're a podcast. Um, the, the like, key like if, if Glenn Williams didn't get an invite because they felt he was too negative, there's no fucking chance we're coming. Tom <laughs> might have got an invite, but me and you are fucked. Yeah, we are fucked. Um, I think that you know we've. I think a lot of people have seen the the main kind of quotables from there, but I think the um the the main headlines from the the meeting were that we're broke. Which sounds like that as we've already talked about, any manager that comes in won't have money, let alone in January, let alone next summer. There's players out of contract who probably won't be kept on. We're fighting legal battles on all fronts and Vincent Tan is basically running the club himself. Um, he has ultimate control over things like the football. He has ultimate control over who is who is and isn't in charge and he doesn't really want to go down the director of football route. Um, ben, it's, it's, we don't often hear, you know, we've, we've talked about on the podcast about how we haven't heard from Ben McDowell for a long time. And honestly, I'm glad we hadn't heard from him if this is how bad it's going to be. Um, <laughs> I wish he'd kept his mouth shut even longer. Um, I, I could have done with this trip, Fed. This is a lot to take in in one hit. It was a lot to take in in one hit. Um, I think, you know, to be fair, it sounds like the fans who were there were critical of the level of kind of uh, communication that comes from the club. Um, and I think there was, you know, some, some home truth said there. Ben, what do you... What do you make of this? Um, it's quite a sobering read, isn't it? It makes me very worried for the future of this club and sort of emphasises, like, you know, when we're all saying, well, people are saying oh, a drop to League One could sort of sort us out and give us a chance to reset. It could bankrupt I think this this literally proves that if we go to League One, there's a strong chance we're fucked and mm-hmm. we're going to be out of the Football League. So, yeah, it's, it's genuinely worrying long, like just... How have we got in such a mess and how has it been kept under wraps so for so long? How has it got to the stage where it's this bad? Where to be fair, I didn't think they planned this far ahead that they can say we haven't got any money to spend in July either. Because normally mm. I didn't think they only looked week to week. But um yeah, it's grim reading. There's not a glimmer of hope in any of it, is there? He's basically said if you're out of contract, you're gone. So you're losing stalwarts like Joel Riles, 10 years longer serving player at the club. He's gone. People like Sean Morrison's gone. Smithy's like, there's a lot of big earners, but there's a lot of really, really important players going. Um, leaving the club at the bare bones, sort of in a desperate situation with no money to bring other people in. It's terrifying, sort of. Things are bad now, but it feels like it's the tip of the iceberg. It feels like it could be about to get a lot, lot worse. Yeah, Tom, we thought the last eight games were plumbing the depths, but this is this is reading where we think that the depths are probably, you know, it's like the sea floor. You never really know where it is. Um, and you're not, you're, we're looking down the barrel of something that could get a lot worse, right? A hundred percent. But it's really interesting, the level of detail Dan Mum's going into about how how and when Vincent Tan gets involved. And then I just didn't like the, the comments around the Salah transfer where he just pretty much threw Warnock under the bus and I ignored the board, went straight to Tarnish. It, it seems like a dirty play to try and tarnish his name mm. in what is already quite a tragic case. It just, it, it, it leaves a sour taste here. And then you know, the information he's given is showing that a man with zero football knowledge is pretty much running a football dictatorship where he's deciding what style of play we're playing with. Mm. Like how, how is that a way to run a football club? And, but why is he saying that about his boss as well? Do you know what I mean? It's a really weird dynamic 
Wait, I, is he uh, something that he won't get back to him or what? I, yeah. The thing that worries me most is I don't trust a lot of what he said here. No. He's laid this out there, and I think a lot of what he said is bullshit to cover his own back. This is a bloke that tried to buy a football club of a team that was in the same fucking league as us and is still acting as our chairman. Has finally met with the fans after six months of absolute silence where the fans have been tr- a long time. Like, this isn't us just saying that like, you speak to the people at the trust, you sort of speak to like Vince Arm. They're trying to push for more meetings. They're trying to yeah. push for more open transparency with the club and they get nothing. It's not a case they get like they're told no. The club they don't respond. It's, it's just silence. It's tr- they're treated with apathy as if they're a problem, not part of the, not as if like they can help. It's just disgusting. And like we said, he only ever pops up when there's problems and seems to make them worse. And it's exactly what he's done here. I don't trust that. While I believe there's a glimmer of truth, I also feel like he's sort of just saying stuff thinking it's what they want to hear. He, it's as if he thinks that the fans want to blame Tan for everything that's going on because he's not here, but we don't. We just want fucking clear, honest answers. And I still don't think we're getting them despite this communication from... I think I think we want someone who... We want to see someone stand up and take charge, right? Like, I think we, we, we have a, we have chairman... We have a chairman and a CEO in this um, who kind of come to the game. We have Chu Dalman who come to the game. You don't see Tan anymore, and that's fair enough. If he's got business interests in Malaysia, that's where his, you know, his, his empire seems to be falling apart a little bit over there, you know, with, with everything you hear. Um, so if, it's fair enough that he's there, but we have people in this country who are meant to be going to the games and acting as the people that you see. And this whole thing is him blaming other people. The Salah transfer was Warnock's fault. You know, the, the, the court cases don't worry about him. It's going to be Michael Isaac. You know, the Michael Isaacs thing doesn't matter. The Sam Haman thing doesn't matter. And actually it's against the league that Peter Ridsdale's bringing um, league regulations that he's bringing a, um, a court case against us because he's on the EFL board. Um, you know, he, he blames all the football, direct football play on Vincent Tan, who's there not at the meeting to speak for himself. He doesn't um, take any kind of ownership over the fact that we are broke as a club. And it's like, well, what are you doing about it? And then he says about the refinancing thing, that's on Vincent Tan's neck. It's kind of like, what are you, you know, what are you doing day to day? Is you know, what do you want to see from a chairman? Isn't this kind of blaming other people? You want to see him stand up and go, I've overseen this. I'm really sorry. I fucked up. We need to get back on track, kind of thing. No, He's not need, saying that, is he? You want a clear picture. If if things are this bad, it's his job to direct a pathway and say, right, this is the situation. Things are bleak, but this is what our plans are. Yeah get us out of the situation is to show actual leadership and not just go this is what's happening and basically what he's done is lit the fuse of panic and fucked off yeah we won't see him now for six months will we yeah and then when we do it'll be an even bleaker fucking news report coming out and he'll send it he'll tell it to three people who are nice to him one day because he doesn't want the hard questions being asked to him that really need to be asked and this isn't on like me giving the trust or like the people at that meeting grief because they were given certain parameters of questions they could ask. but They again, get called into this meeting, obviously, very short notice as well. Yeah, and this, again, shows the issue and like the problem with it is just we're treated as a problem yeah. and we're not treated with respect. It's, it's very much a kind of... And I think we said it about, um, Tom, we said it about Vince, uh, Vince, about Mick's press conference this week where he basically said, I can't make the fans come to games. It's up to them to come. And it's kind of like a... It's us versus them at the moment, isn't it, with the football club? You know, when you look at other football clubs like, I don't know, Swansea, there's very much a sense of them all pulling in the same direction, the club working hand in glove with the supporters to create this kind of unity around the club. At the moment, Tom, there's nothing like that here, and this just shows it again. A late meeting called at the last minute whether a few people from the supporters trust and the supports clubs are allowed to come and ask a couple of questions if they want. And we get a kind of pre-prepared statement given out afterwards, and there's no dialogue. Yeah, and it's just what we expect from the club now, isn't it? Like, yeah, last we're not minute, surprised either. Yeah, a last minute impromptu meeting on the day we sack a manager a few hours later as well. It's just I'm absolute madness. A surprise. The surprise was they actually bothered to call the meeting. Yeah. yeah. It's a fucking worry. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, uh, it, it, it is worrying. Like, it's so worrying that what's the point in having a board in place if managers just go straight above it and go to the owner, you know? What it, and you know, he's putting suggestions forward to Tani saying about director of football, and he's going, Nah, I don't fancy that actually. So, what influence is he actually having at any point yeah. apart from just pissing us off? It, it's just, it, it baffles me, it really does also, baffle me what's going on. Also, like, I think, doesn't Dalman, Dalman recognize that if, if 
Warnock is going above him straight to Tan about transfers, that there's a problem there. You know, it's all well and good go, Warnock went above us, but it's like, well, what were you doing in that situation? Were you trying to stonewall him on that transfer? Um, were you trying to stop him? Like, I, if you watch that um, old Warnock documentary in 2006, um, you know, the one where to live and die to get these three points, there's that clip in there. There's a, there's a meeting in that where he's in with the chairman and the board and he's talking about transfers and people are cutting across him and he's going, sorry, I, I need to speak to the chairman about this. Like, it's not like Warnock isn't forthright. It's not like he hasn't got history of this. So to work with him, don't, you know, don't act surprised when he goes above you to the chairman who has ultimate control over the club. Like, what were you doing in that situation, Damon? Look inwardly. Oh, I just still find it funny that despite all this coming out, Warnock was in there saying how much of a good chairman Darman's been for him. Basically, what Warnock's saying there is, I've managed to play in like a fiddle for fucking 18 months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so true, yeah. Um, we kind of touched upon it, um, but, you know, we're talking about the, the players leaving. Obviously, we've there's I think there's 10 players with contracts up at the end of the season. You've got Morrison, I think Flint's one of them, Pack's one of them, Rowles is one of them, Smithies is one of them. We could be going into the summer next year, Ben, with half a squad, a manager who's got no money to spend, and we could be staring at relegation. Um, we talked about it already, but that would could be the end of the football club, right? Are you re- seriously worried now about the long-term future of things at Cardiff City? Yeah, I think we have to be. I think it's a very real possibility that we're looking at a Portsmouth sort of situation here of just we're going to sort of tumble down the leagues and something major's got to happen for things to turn around. Mm-hmm. You're going in there. We're already at the bare bones of this club. We've got players out on loan that people are clamouring to call back who are not exactly setting world on fire just because we're so short of depth. With that short of depth, we're about to lose 10 players and 10 big, big players that sort of we rely upon to guide these youngsters through and these new players through. It's a really, really, really dire situation. And I don't think, again, I don't think the board have given it enough thought. It's so short-sighted to let 10 players run their con like end up in the last year of their contract like this because you think about when was the last sort of every now and again city like players could come dropping and out of contract it happens but it's very rare you get 10 at the same time you're normally doing deals throughout the season to get new players signed on and sort of new contracts are done 18 months two years in advance we never do that it always sort of falls down to it if players sort of enter the last couple of months and sort of rush to get them signed it happened with Bennett. It happened with Hoyler. Before that, it happened with Tomlin before he had his new contract signed. And it's just piss poor. But you, you look at it, and I think it's not even the fact that players are leaving. It's the fact that some of them are sellable assets, right? You know, we're in a position where Alex Smithies could be leaving on a, th- a free. He's only 31. He's still got six or seven years in him left as a goalkeeper, at least. And we could have sold him for... Yeah, he should be getting a fee. Morrison, he should probably get a fee. As much as he's not as uh, the peak he was uh, a couple of years ago, he should be getting a fee. Aidan Flint, maybe not. Aidan Flint's maybe over the hill now. Um, Marlon Pack, 30. He should be getting a fee. Joe Rawls, 28. He should be getting a fee. Will Volks, 28. As much as he hasn't been brilliant for us, he's someone that we could get a fee for. And all of a sudden, Tom, we're looking at a squ- uh, no squad, but also no transfers in for them. Yes, we'll save on their wages, but we can't cycle the money back through the system to replace them. Yeah, it feels like we're going to have less players than we had when Malky Mackay took over. But at least when he took 12, over... 12, actually... 11, 12 yeah. we had. And at least we had a bit of a future ahead of us. We saw where players could come from. We knew we'd have back in. But this is really worrying. Like, yeah, I, I knew we'd lose players, but you already know that we're not going to be bringing people in. Like, the players are not going to want to hear that either. Do you know what I mean? No. You're, not, you're not going to be wanting to be, like, hanging around this club. You're not no, going to... You're not going to be one of the two or, two or three players that might get a new contract. If you're, if you're someone like Bakuna, if you're someone like Collins, who's only just come in, if you're someone like even some of the younger players, if you're Kiefer Moore, what's Kiefer Moore going to be doing now? Is he going to be sat at home going, this is a club I want to stay at, this is a club I'm going places? He's going to be talking to his new agent today saying, look what Dalman said, I need a move in January, otherwise I could be, I could be fucked. Yeah, he'd want to be anywhere but Cardiff at the moment. And I'm sure a lot of our fans feel the same way. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's just, it's... I, I was quite positive at the beginning of the season. I think we all were to a point. We thought, you know, we weren't going to be as strong as previous seasons, but we'd be there or thereabouts. But like Ben said earlier on, I, I knew we didn't have the money, but I didn't know it was this bad. And yeah. it does feel like everything's just been thrown upon us in one go, going, here are all the problems now, make what you will of it. And yeah. we've got it. And now we've put, like, like Ben said again, like we probably won't hear from him now. And it's like, there's a lot of unanswered questions here and there's no accountability from anyone in the hierarchy of the club. 
they're just going, oh, no, we're trying, but, uh, you know, we're limited. Look, oh, bloody pandemic, oh, that's cost us legal things, oh, it's causing us problems. If one of those legal, if the legal cases go against us, we could be in real shit street. Well, we are. He's already come out and said if the Salatin goes against us, we, there's a real chance the club goes into administration. Hooray! Cool. Yeah. Um, right. Listen, I, I, it's very negative. Um, I want to say the one positive that came from Dalman's uh, pr- uh, press conference, whatever you want to call it. Dalman doesn't take a wage as a chairman and never has. So that's something good. Uh, he's not getting paid for his fucking shit show of a chairmanship. Man of the people. Generous. Man of the people. You boys honestly think that man has not made a penny from the work he's done at Cardiff City. No, no, that's not what not I said. Of he, had, he doesn't take a salary, so we can't accuse him of stealing a living. Um, he doesn't steal a living from us. He might get bonuses, Ben. I do appreciate that, but at least he's not getting paid on a daily basis to be at the club. Um, which is yeah, why so I don't know why we should start fucking paying him, and he might actually do his fucking job. <laughs> Maybe he would. Maybe he would. But also, it probably makes it easier to sack him that we're not paying him because we don't have to pay him up any contract. So, but who, but who sacks him? Do you realise so what what the club has done? From what I've sort of read, is the club has done something that I never thought was possible and unified Sam Haman and Peter Risdale. Yeah. Um, how the I, I, when how, I read how that, I was like, we've done that. And they, because I think they hated each other, didn't they? I think there was, oh, there was, was stories of, there were stories of Ridsdale almost fighting her man in the boardroom and stuff. Yeah, it, it got physical. Like they'd shove each other. It was fucking full on. And they've gone from that. Best was it, it's like that meme, isn't it? Ridsdale, her man, handshake. And it's like attacking Carter City. Um, I guess the, the the million dollar question, um, or the minus twelve million dollar question in this in this case, Ben. Um, ideally, you you see a lot of people give you know throwing solutions around. What 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 needs to change? Let's just say now, Tan refinances the club. He manages to kind of sort everything out. We get into a position where we're on an even keel again. In your mind, what needs to change after that? Like we, hierarchical wise, whatever. We restructure the board. I think it's clear that these two aren't fit for purpose anymore. Um, what they're doing has not worked for the past 10 years and it's run us into this situation. The club needs drastic changes, whether it's, a, it might not be a director of football, it just needs to be a bit more football narrow so that there are people who have been involved in football clubs for longer than they have. But then they've been involved 10 years. It's just a fucking, just, we need fresh faces, we need fresh ideas and we need people that actually are willing to engage with the fan base to sort of bring this together because the money comes from somewhere, the money can come from the fans. We may not have the money, but, to sort of get it all going. But if the fan base starts moving the club in the right direction, so sponsors are more likely to sponsors are more likely to come on board, investors are more likely to come and invest. People aren't going to want to invest in a club that's sort of in disarray. That's why Newcastle took so long to be sold, and they had to be sold to a bunch of evil bastards in the end. Um, just if any evil bastards are listening and have a lot of money, we would consider a bid from you guys as well. Um, I don't want a, a, an, an autocratic, horrible regime that beheads people and you know infringes on people's civil liberties. But you know, I don't know. Maybe um, a mass murderer who's somehow come into a lot of money. I'd welcome you at the club. Um, Tom, any thoughts? I'm not quite down the mass murderer route uh, yet. Anyway. I know I think you should be getting people like podcasters and stuff on the board, you know, people who really care about the club, fresh ideas. Yeah. Mate, I, heard, I, I heard one of the, right. I heard one of the one questions. Thing. Go on. If we've learned one thing, it's the podcast and doesn't make you any fucking money. There no, we so go. If you do like what we do, uh, kofi.com forward slash <laughs> and we can, we can start building a fund to take over the club. But also, one of the questions put to Dalman yesterday asked why we weren't in a room. So if Dalman is listening and he wants to invite us back into the room, um, please do. Um, sorry, Tom, to interrupt you. Oh, that's good. Yeah, good. Yeah, good. Yeah, all right. I'm done. Um, good. We've done that bit. Um, moving on to the voice of the people now. Uh, some of the Twitter questions we've had in over the last 24 hours. Um, Nathan L. CCFC, can you explain this image of the average positions against Borough? Because I'm as impressed as I am baffled. Like, how do you expect to win a football match with that? But Ben, you told us that was image was fake. Yeah. Can you, how you know it was fake? fake? No, not really. I, I mean, we, me and me and Tom talked about it quite um, in depth yesterday. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 a fake one that's been put out before people have done it. It's just yeah, it's believable. It, yeah, it's worrying that it was, <laughs> but also you've got to realise we weren't playing that high pressed. That's we a good point. Too far no. forward. 
That is, <laughs> that is a fair point. All right, fair enough. Um, Jareth Webb, Wilder for me. We've seen what a good manager can do with a struggling team at Forest. He can come in, turn around and play fast attacking football. Um, then there's an argument between him and Wynn. Uh, I would love Wilder, but he'll get a job far better than us, I'm afraid. People just talking about him because he was at the Fulham game. Feels like Wilder's just putting his name out there for a lot of things at the moment. Uh, CCFC for the win, one, two, three. Catchy. Seems to me like the board definitely want a manager capable of developing the youngsters. Surely that means we won't end up with another dinosaur. Uh, see Darman's comments. But I'll probably panic hunt higher Pardew or Pulis anyway. Uh, John Shedd, I predict Morrison will do well and win two of his next three games. That will spark a clamor for the fans for him to stay on. He becomes permanent boss, which will please the fans for two or more weeks until we start losing again. Need to really get some new ideas in and a fresh face, not Bellamy. Uh, Gwydion Edwards, give Morrison to the end of season, see what he can do. Fred Keenor, why did it take so long and why was no one lined up to come in on Monday? Um, probably because the board of fucking idiots, but also I think um, it happened with Harris, right? They were trying to negotiate with Harris over his payoff for a couple of weeks before um, he actually did go. Uh, Tony Moore, where do we stand with regard to bringing back? Here he is, boys, Josh Murphy in January. A new manager would surely want wingers and he'd feel like a new signing. Staying on the theme of Preston, I'd do all we could to bring Alex Neal. I'd say Bowyer, but he's in a job and surely won't leave. Tom, is it time to bring Josh Murphy back? Ah, have a go, why not? <laughs> it's never worked before, but it might work now. We need Stranger things we, have happened. We need bodies, though, don't we? We just yeah. need people like in the squad. You know, we could do what Brentford did, but in a different way. Do you know they go rid of their youth side? Should we get rid of the our senior first side? team? Exactly yeah. that. Just just have an under 23s from now on. I think that I think that's the only way forward. Ben, would you bring Murphy back? No. Okay. We've <laughs> so not seen the comment. Ah. That was a lovely six weeks where we didn't talk about him. Yeah, I know, but it had to be done, didn't it? Um, Ellis Hearn, shocking performance against Borough, made him look like Man City. Glad Mick has gone. Thick Chris Wilder would be a great fit for the club, similar to Warnock. And let's not get it twisted. He never spent money at Sheffield United until they went up. Be a good fit. It's a fair point. Uh, Ryan Lewis, yeah, he turned David McGoldrick into a fucking brilliant striker after McGoldrick was out on his arse. It's a fair point. Ryan Lewis, the season starts now, lads. Let's play some attacking, attractive football on the front foot. Come on, City. Oh, I'm Thomas. I would very happily take Chris Wilder if the bookies are right. Plays good football, knows the division, knows how to get promoted. I feel a bit sorry for MM. It shouldn't have been allowed to drag on for so long. I also feel sorry for uh, Mick McCarthy as well as Matthew McKay. Just got more painful for him and the team. Infinity Rocket Plastics. Uh, despite what Mick said, everyone can see the squad is paper thin and unbalanced. With Dalman reiterating there will be no money available in January. What hope do we have in attracting someone looking to progress their managerial career? Um, to me, Tom, there are going to be managers out there who just see us as a big enough job because we're in the championship with a nice stadium and have been in the Premier League. And that should be that's enough for some managers, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's what we've got to hold out hope for is that you know we've been in the Premier League relatively recently. You know, we are seen as a relatively decent club, like decent sized club, not a decent club, far from it, but with good facilities now. And you know, it's a great place to come and you know get involved and do your first coaching job, for example, or like second or third, whatever. It, it's it's quite a prospect for some managers. It's just, you've got to hope that they don't look at us as a basket case and focus on that side of it. And, you know, if you do unite that fan base and you do get the team, ba- the fans behind you, it can be a great place to be. And, and like we said before, we're simple people. It doesn't take a lot for us to be shouting your name in the first few games. And as soon as you start winning a couple... Yeah, exactly that. Get that on a t-shirt, but yeah, they might do it then. But yeah, we, we might be a prospect for someone, but I think we, we might be clutching our straws a little bit. The bit that worries me is the people throwing the names in to say they'd like the job are people like Lennon. Oh, don't, <laughs> don't, yeah. No. Neil Lennon said he'd like the job, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said I'd be open to speaking and taking on the Cardiff job. You can get fuck Neil Lennon. That's like me saying, just I'd be open to it, it'd be a shit appointment. I'd be up for running for prime minister. Yeah, um, let me let me say I'm not up for taking over the job. <laughs> uh, Tom Phillips, VFTN exclusive. Tom Phillips rules himself out of the running. <laughs> um, Kieran, hoping that our temporary manager does well as he plays some beautiful football with the under 23s. I'd love to see our first team do that. Do you guys share a similar opinion? I think we do, Ben. But is three games enough for him to have a material impact on? This? He he must know only how to play one way, right? So is he going to try and implement it with the first team? Well, we're not allowed to because Tan says he only likes direct Sorry, football. I said Ben, not Tom. And I, I, sorry, I got carried away. I was too busy <laughs> seething. No. Sorry, Ben. Carry you on. Know, to us, mate, I'm not one that can jump, complain about people jumping across you, can I? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
yeah, it's three games. It's a short period of time, but hopefully we can, it may make some improvements. Look, it's not exactly like it's a squad set up for the most pretty attacking football anyway. We're very short of wide players. Haven't got any wingers at all. Fullbacks aren't exactly the most adventurous. Apart from NG, we haven't really got a sort of a wing back that plays naturally. Um, it's not an easy task for him, but hopefully we can see some improvement. Some improvement would be nice, wouldn't it? That's all we ask for. Um, Alan Grimes, really excited by the idea of Chris Wilder. After experiencing the ignorance of Mick to the fans, someone who would rally up the fans and show some passion, bring something back to the fan base and bring that connection back. Say fan one more time. Uh, Simon Hiscox, what do you make of Dalman's comments that he and the board didn't expect the footballing side of things to take up so much time? Tom, I think fans have got the ring to stick with this, but what's your opinion? It does seem a mental comment, though, doesn't it? It's a, it's a mental comment, but I think I think my view on it is I think he meant that by appointing someone like Mick or, yeah. or Neil Harris back then, fo- the football on the pitch side would take care of itself and they wouldn't well, have to like worry about what was going on on the pitch because the club would be a success or whatever. That's, that's true, but, but, it, but it looks like they want to stick their oar in. So they're saying they didn't realise it, but then you've got you know an owner who's, yeah. saying, who's telling them what style of football he wants. So they, they can have it where there's not as much, they don't have to get involved in the football inside of it. But it seems that they want they choose to get involved. You know, it's it's just madness, really. I don't think they I don't think they know what they want. I really don't think they do. These would be no. worrying comments if it was from someone that's taken over a club six months ago. Yeah. Ten years they've been involved. Ten years, and yeah. they've suddenly gone, oh fucking hell, this football's a bit tough, isn't it? <laughs> and we've been good at times. It's not like we've been a basket case for 10 years. We've had two promotions to the Premier League. Sometimes it's gone well. And well I think we have been a basket case during all of that. Look, yeah. we first promotion, <laughs> we were in a different colour shirt playing with the beer, beer badges on our chest. Uh. It's sort of, this, look, this club's a fucking mess and it's been a mess since this sort of regime's come on board. Even before that, it wasn't exactly smooth sailing. You've got an owner that feasts the fans to pay a tax bill. Cardiff City's notoriously been a, ta- a, a basket case of a club. Oh, Sam, but, Sam Man used to pay pay players fucking bonuses in pound coins and make them eat sheep's testicles. Yeah, it's been a mad like again. Yeah, probably also that. How long was that? Twenty twenty years, five ago. years. Ago. Yeah, and it's been that way, and it's it's finally starting. Like in a in a time where football's never been more professional, more cutthroat, and sort of harder to operate in. The shitly run basket case clubs are slowly being found out. And the ownerships that cause problems are really starting to struggle. And that's that's, that's why what's happening here. Jamie Jackson, no point having a manager until we decide what our plan is. We flip-flop a knee-jerk into every decision we've ever made. We wanted to bring through youth. Mick did it, but it hasn't worked. Let's see if we choose a manager that now doesn't put on any of our youngsters. Chris Stephen, please God, not Alan Pardew or Tony Pulis. Time to move away from dinosaur football and maybe just maybe enjoy watching Cardiff City play again. And the last word goes Josh Cole Wilkins. Wilder, please. Um, and after all that, Tom, we've got another football match to talk about. Uh, this weekend, big trip away to Stoke. Uh, Morrison's first game in charge. Uh, what do you expect to change from Saturday's lineup? Oh, God knows. I I think you'll see Morrison, um, the centre back. I forgot his name then. God, what's happening? Yeah, I think Shawnee Mars will come back in. Um, I think we just looked completely at sorts of the back. And I know he hasn't been in great form, but he, you know. He's an organiser, isn't he? Exa- exactly that. But it'd, it'd be interesting because it'd, it'd be interesting to see if he does play some of the youngsters, the players that he knows, you know, day in, day out. Um, but I'm quite excited to see what he does, to be honest with you. I'm not expecting a, a result to Stoke. So, yeah, I, I'd like to see, you know, he's got a week to work with it as well, which is good. We're not going straight into a midweek game, which is yeah. one positive we can look at. So, you know, he's got, yeah, four or five days on the training ground. Let's see what he can do. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see it. Um, ben, you know, what are the changes that you would make for Stoke? Obviously, we've had eight, eight losses in a row. There's a lot to mull over there in terms of changes. Would you bring Morrison back in as well? Or is there other changes that you would make? I think part of the problem is I'm so dejected. I can't think of what I do to change it. You sort of The squad's so thin in areas. Mm-hmm. What do you do? And that's going to be a real challenge for a poker's never managed a first-team game. Um, you've got players on their ass with confidence. You've got youngsters that aren't really that experienced. And then you've got a striker that's not very happy. Um, I couldn't. Which one? Which striker's not very happy? But yeah, true, both of them are. <laughs> Even when we fucking delighted with how it's going. Um, 
I can't pick a back four at the moment. Or do you go back to wing backs? You go to that back five again. Like formation, everything is just like I, I can't imagine Steve Morris is going to be getting a lot of sleep over the next couple of weeks, sort of pondering what he does and sort of how he can change this up and make a difference. Because I look on paper, even if it was a FIFA game, I'd be like, oh fuck, what do I actually do here? Never I mind think, it being real life. I think you know what I would say, like Morrison, he's been quite impressive when he's been interviewed after under 23 games and stuff like that. I think he'd be able to kind of motivate the troops. I think we might get a little bit of a bounce, you know, someone like, he'll understand what Kiefer Moore's going through, you know, being a striker himself, scoring Having for Wales. Having a good hairline. You know, he did get one goal for Wales, let's not forget that. Um, so, we might see a, a bit of a buzz and that, um, it might benefit us. You know, I, I'm hoping he does play some attacking football. It may not work, but I'd just like to see us try it because I'm, I've, we've been watching bad football for a long time. Even when we were successful, I can't imagine, I can't remember many games I've, said, I've come away going, oh, we've played really, really good football there. So perhaps it is just time to try something. If it doesn't work, at least we're trying to play something that's good, you know, good on the eye. Well, the good news is, is that Stoke are on a similar uh, losing streak to us. Um, three games. Um, Stretch, yeah. Yeah. They lost, they've lost to Sheffield United, Bournemouth and Millwall. Um, ben, is there anything about Stoke that worries you? I think there were a lot of people's tips uh, for placing quite highly this season, but um, I think they spent £5 million on Sam Surridge, which is quite a mental thing to do. Um, we beat them. I think we beat them. We beat them at the, did we beat them at the um, Bet365 last year? Yeah, we beat them. So we beat them there. Are you worried about them? No, because I've got no expectations of us doing anything there. Sort of, it's, it's hard to be worried when you just know you're going to get turned over. Um, yeah, look, they're a good side. Like They've got a decent manager. They seem to be sort of, despite a recent slide, they seem to be a club that's sort of, slowly working through their issues and sort of getting themselves moving back in the right direction. Um, but again, look, it's the championship. Anything can happen. New manager bounce, all of that. We might strike gold. It might be such a relief that Mick's gone, that Terry Connor's gone, that the players... Marlon Pack turns into Prime Beckenbauer. Yeah, and I'm all for that. I hope he does, because I can't say much. Bro, this place. Fucking hell. It's much. It's just so That's right, depressing. Ben. We won't, we won't have to talk about it much longer. Uh, we're coming so to the end of de- things. It's just oh. so depressing to talk about constantly. Just the misery. I don't like it. I, I want to enjoy watching football. Yeah. Hey, okay. Let's talk about something nice. Um, Solskjaer was crying. Tom, Solskjaer was probably going to leave. Yeah, that was quite good. Um, Tom, we, we always used to have a bit of a rivalry with Stoke. I don't know if this is a nice thing to talk about, but. Um, do you see them as like a rival? I remember the early 2000s, some of the games we played against have got pretty heated. Um, but do you see them as a rival now or are they just... I don't really know so, with this question, but I'm I trying no, to no. think of something else apart from football. It, no, no, I, th- I think so. You know, we've played them in playoff games and stuff like that. We've always been... A sim- not always been there. Obviously, the stint in the Premier League, but we were playing each other quite a lot. And obviously, the off-the-field antics between some of our supporters are well-known as well. So I think, you know, there will be a bit of a hangover from those days. It's a team I very much dislike, uh, but mm. there seems to be quite a lot of them in the championship, to be fair. So it's always a game I, I kind of look out for when the fixtures come out, to be honest, because, yeah, I, I don't like them. And I think there will be a bit of niggle there. I think I'm hoping p- people understand that we don't like each other as well. So it adds a bit of fire to the game. But like when you're on, when Ben's on about, we're not expecting much from this game. I'm not either, to be honest. I think, you know, you look at the three games that they've lost. They're games that it's not embarrassing to lose, you know, Bournemouth and Sheffield United. There's no, there's no mm-hmm. shame in losing those games. And, you know, they've got some quality in their team. You know, I think Joe Allen started the season quite well for them. They've mm-hmm. got people like Fletcher and Inns who are on the bench because, you know, and I know paying a bit of money for Surridge may seem a daft, you know, decision, but he's not a bad player. And, you know, you look at their squad and most of them are getting our team at the moment and most of their bench were getting our team at the moment. So I think... I'm, I, I still think... wouldn't have Tom Ince. No, 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 <laughs> that's true. But, you know, I think they, they're going to be big favourites going into it and I don't expect anything from it. I just want to see an improved performance and some sort of cohesion, some sort of plan. Because at the moment, we look like we haven't had any sort of plan going out there. So if, it'd just be nice to look like players know what they're doing even if it's for five minutes, you know, just for the start of the game. And then it goes downhill. 
just some moment where no, we look. But we've been doing that, Demick. Twenty-eight minutes game plan was going according to plan, and we lost. That yeah, I mean, no, that's bollocks. That comment, you know. Let, let I don't know. I'm not looking forward to the game, but I am intrigued to see what happens. Oh, this is going down as another cheery podcast from. Oh uh, well, what do you expect, like... Ben? Well, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. We've lost eight games on the fucking bounce, and we're about to be in the relegation zone. All right. Okay. Sorry, I'm not gonna... farting rainbows. I'm going to put a moratorium on um, on negativity from next week. We all have to be positive. Bring bring next podcast. Bring something you're happy about. Um, we could talk about that. Um, we could talk about that. Um, I might as well ask you for your predictions, Ben. Uh, I'll go three one Stoke, but we'll score. Ooh, we'll Here's score a, a goal. Well yeah. done, mate. Tom, I was going to say two one Stoke. All right, I'm going to go one all. Um, somehow, uh, someone's got to be positive here, and be damned if it's me. Um, and that's it for another episode of the View from the Ninian. Um, sorry for being so depressing, but it isn't a great place to be at the moment being a Cardiff City fan. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash VFT Ninian. If you like what we do and you want to give us a bit of money because you know we have to pay for some stuff involved in this podcast, go to ko-fi.com forward slash VFT Ninian. Uh, maybe if you all donate enough money, we can rise up and take over the club from the clutches of the incompetents who are there at the moment. Ben, how are you going to spend the rest of your Sunday night? Um, I don't know. Actually, I got to sort of stuff out for work, so I'll probably Ooh, do that. Exciting, Tom. I'm going to set up a crowdfunder to take over the club. Nice, um, great. I'll help you with that because uh, I got nothing else to do. Uh, boys, thanks for joining me once again. Go on, ben. If we get to a certain amount, we'll make Die Hunt director of football. Those sort of levels of sort of crowdfunder. <laughs> Uh, no, we can talk about that. No. We can talk about that offline. Talk about that <laughs> offline because I've got some thoughts. I've got some thoughts. Um, thanks for joining me once again on the view from the Ninian. Uh, I'll speak to you boys later. See you. Bye. Right, nearly half time, pal. Your turn to get a ground round in. Off you go. No, you get this one in, mate, because I've got the beer sorted for later. What do you mean you've got the beer sorted for later? I got the last one. You know that's not how the ground round works. Listen here, bud. How does the offer of free beer sound? What do you mean free beer? No such thing, mate. Just go and get them in, man. Serious now. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash VFTN and cover just £5.95 for the postage and you'll get your first case of eight globally sourced, fresh as can be, craft beers delivered right to your doorstep. What I mean is I've already got hours waiting for us after this and we'll need them after watching this shambles. What's the catch here now? Who are these people? Beer 52 are the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Each month, they send a case of craft beer from a different part of the world. Recent cases have included beer from the Alps, New Zealand, the USA, Ireland, Korea, and Germany. Bloody hell, that's not bad, is it? Yep, and if you do change your mind, you can pause or cancel your account at any time you like. Cracking, so how do I get it again? All you need to do is go to www.beer52, that's the numbers 52.com forward slash VFTN. To get your first case of eight beers for just five ninety five, that's www.beer52.com forward slash vftn. Sound pie with a pint then? You know I never say no to a pie. <laughs>